Hi, guys, it's Dr. Sadaf, and I would love for you to like and share this podcast and make sure you leave me a review. I'd love those five stars. So please, when you send me a review, please make sure to put the five stars in and to share the episode with somebody that you know that could really use it. And I would absolutely appreciate it. Also, if you're looking to schedule an appointment with me, make sure you go to my email and put your name on the email list. You will be the first to know when I open up my office in spring of 2024. It's drsadaf.com. And last but definitely not the least, September 16th to the 23rd, 2024, I will be hosting a retreat with Dr. Basma Ferris in Morocco. You will be getting yoga and coaching and we'll be doing excursions and cooking and spa and hammam and all of that great stuff along with meditation. So make sure you don't miss out. Spots are limited. So go to the link in my bio in both Instagram and TikTok to make sure you register. Enjoy the show. I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Sadaf Lodi, and this episode is everything you need to know about the documentary that was recently released last year called Periodical. I am so excited to have on with me the director of that documentary. But before we get started, I want to make one thing very clear, and that is I am not giving any type of medical advice. And if you're having any questions about your health, please go visit your healthcare provider. And if you have any questions about your religion, please feel free to speak with your friendly neighborhood religious scholar. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast because I just happen to be a Muslim woman that talks about sex. And so today I am so privileged to have on with me uh, Miss Lena Lite Plioplite. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> so please, please introduce yourself to the listeners and the viewers out there. Hi, I'm Limalite Bloplite. I am a filmmaker and happen to be a director of this documentary um, called Periodical that is airing right now on uh, Peacock and MSNBC. And uh, it's all about menstrual cycle um, from the very first period to way beyond yes, the last. Yes, and that's why I loved it. <laughs> because as a gynecologist, you know, that's, it's all we talk about. And of course, you know, this is one of the most common reasons that a woman come in, comes in to visit her gynecologist, right? It's, you know, she's having either too frequent periods or too uh, little periods or no periods at all, or she's pregnant, she's not pregnant, she's perimenopausal, she's menopausal, right? There's so many things that happen in a woman's life regarding her period. So I'm just so excited to have you on and to know, like, what was the inspiration for you to make this movie? Um, you know, I don't have horror period story myself, which is shocking to some people because surely one has to make a documentary if they're suffering with something. Uh, I came to the idea of making movie about menstruation of all of the things from a sheer curiosity. Um, at in my twenties, my period was just my period, something I didn't pay too much attention uh, to. 
And um, one day I was just sitting and thinking about how fascinating we do all of these things on our periods, you know, like we run marathons, we uh, work, we, you know, run for a president, make documentaries. We do things on our periods, make documentaries, right, go shopping, <laughs> whatever. Uh, and some of us don't have the very easy time on menstruation. Some of us do. But the funny part was like, we're not supposed to talk about it. And I was always like, What's the big deal? You know, it's, and I find the menstrual not supposed to talk about it is even bigger than not supposed to, you know, out loud talk about going to the bathroom and doing, you know, pee or poo in the bathroom, right? That's one kind of not talk about, but menstruation in general is just, you know, we're definitely somehow are naughty if we talk about it in public, which I'm like, what's in there? Why is it such a big secret? And then I looked into what's going on in the world and it's like, ah, world, every single major religion in this world deems period dirty, which I'm like, what's so dirty about that? So um, kind of just fell into a rabbit hole of asking questions about what's up with periods. Like, what are we hiding? <laughs> and so the longer I looked, the the more clear it became to me that it needs to be a story to be told um, because, you know, I found um, a group of activists who were fighting the stigma, who were fighting not talking about it, who were fighting period poverty, who were providing tampons and menstrual supplies to people who could not afford it. So then I was like, oh, there's a whole movement of menstruation happening in the United States right now. That's fascinating. So it just kind of kept on going organically and, um, it really changed my perspective of menstruation yeah. along the way yeah. as well. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And I, you know, I was just before we got on, I was telling you that I had stayed up last night just to make sure that, you know, I saw your documentary and I thought it was fantastic. I mean, I love the little uterus you have sitting on the couch, you know, <laughs> like as if that uterus is like a therapist, you know, talking to you. So it's it's very cute. I love that. And I love, uh, I just love the whole documentary. I think it's fantastic. I think it's something that every Everyone should watch. And I think it's something that, you know, helps to alleviate the taboo a little bit. There is definitely taboo around women's bodies, right? Def definitely a lot of taboo surrounding sexuality, a lot of taboo around menstruation. And the fact that, you know, our lawmakers think that they can regulate women's bodies, right? They can tell us which states, uh, you know, are allowed to have abortions, which states are not. I mean, our sex education, I did a whole talk on that. And really our sex education that we have currently in the United States is really based on just, you know, it depends on if you have more Democrats or Republicans in your state as to what is being taught in your state. And even more granular than that, it's, you know, where do you live? It, even in your, you know, board of directors for your school, right? That's going to depend on what you're taught. Are you taught abstinence? Are you taught fear? Like, you know, fear of pregnancy, fear of um, getting some type of disease, you know, what, what things are you being taught? So that it's just crazy how everything is regulated and really political. And um, I'd love to hear what you thought when you were filming it. Did you find similar things? Yes, absolutely. Um, your education and your understanding about your sex depends on the absolutely. zip code, <laughs> which is quite fascinating. And, uh, quite shocking, to be honest, 
Um, and we found that uh, audiences who watch our film come to us and say that these 93 minutes were the most sex education they've gotten in their whole life. Even though film is just about menstrual cycle, you know, like not even focused on sex, but somehow the two are related, maybe because of the, you know, the proximity of the holes <laughs> in which well, one thing, another thing happens. Um, yeah, it's a funky issue. I feel like it's a funky issue. And I'm honestly tired that uh, governments somehow decide on, you know, whether our menstrual products should be taxed. Uh, yeah. And what to do with our bodies. Sure. So I believe that culture and media do play a role in the critical mass, right? So if we have a taboo, then if things are hush-hush, then the, if they are decided by the lawmakers, and let's remember most of the lawmakers are men, um, and majority of them never had a chance to learn about what menstruation is like. And that's not their ignorance or their fault. Simply, again, in the going back to education, the boys are kicked out of the room when we speak about the boy, the girls' situation, right? So unfortunately, majority of men, unless they're extremely curious and they don't mind asking uncomfortable questions, because it, since it's a taboo, it is an uncomfortable question, is what it's like to menstruate, what it's like to PMS. How does that feel like? Um, they have no idea because their hormones work differently. So I find that bridging that gap, allowing other people to understand what is this menstrual situation. Not even every woman has the same um, menstrual experience, right? Some of us go bananas on PMS and some of us are don't even notice it. So I think that first we need to break down the stigma. First, we need to talk and normalize menstruation and perimenopause and bloating and in general being cyclical being, you know, being a shifting being because this world right now, the, the patriarchal order of the world is built for man's cycle. It's not really built for woman's cycle. So the more we make it cool, not even normal, cool, um, to have this wave of estrogen and progesterone that we float on, right, for 35 or 40 years of our lives, those who are born with uterus, um, the more acceptance there will be in the society. And since there is acceptance, then there is a conversation. If there is a conversation, then we can adjust our laws to be a little bit more comprehensive, simply, yeah. you know? I agree with that, you know, and I would also say that you know, these, the lawmakers though, they're adult men, right? So we really can't, I mean, I think that they, they really, if they feel that they need to, which is really not good to begin with, feel that they can regulate women's bodies, then they should at least learn the basics, right? Because at this point they're adults and, you know, they should at least learn that an ectopic pregnancy is not a real viable pregnancy and that it can actually kill the mother. And in some states, if a woman has an ectopic pregnancy and she seeks to have that removed, that doctor can get jailed, right? So, I mean, there's so many things and, you know, we won't get into all of that, but, you know, I agree with you. I think that absolutely, you know, when, uh, people when the children are getting taught sex education, you know, oftentimes the men are kicked out and the 
you know, two separate um, rooms and things as such. But, you know, these lawmakers, as they get older, it behooves them to actually learn about the menstrual cycle. And, you know, what I found fascinating, and honestly, I didn't even know what you helped me to realize in that movie, is that there was a tampon tax. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that so many states had that and that there was this whole movement to get that tampon tax removed. Yes, and New York, where you are, has been one of the early states to remove tampon oh, tax. Yes. Uh, <laughs> California has removed it recently as well, but we still have, as 2024, we still have 22 yeah. states that taxes your menstrual supplies, tampons, cups, you name it, um, with a specific sales tax on top of it because those states deem that menstrual products are not essential wow. items. So there's some kind of differentiation between essential items and all of the other items mm -hmm. we buy and say mm -hmm. toilet paper deemed absolutely essential for a dignified <laughs> human experience, thus non-taxed. But uh, pads and tampons, you know, deemed nice yeah, to lunches, have. Right? Kind, of, kind of like a deodorant, right? Like if you don't have deodorant, it's you know, it is what it is. So I think that speaks to that ignorance and uh, kind of a blind spot in the lawmaker's eye because turns out, uh, according to one of the lawyers in our film, um, Laura Strassen is, you know, she's spoken with a lot of these lawmakers and truly because of the lack of understanding of how menstruation even happens, some of the lawmakers thought that, you know, menstruators can hold in their menstruation kind of like we hold in pee right and then go to the bathroom and release it all so you know the, the the pad is just kind of nice to have i guess just not to you know protection yeah. <laughs> so obviously as we know we cannot hold it in it's involuntary dripping or sometimes yeah. gushing right I mean, <laughs> unreal right the, just the I don't know i don't even know what to say about that i mean it's almost like just ignorance you know i to understand, to understand women, you have to at least know basics, right? And if you're going to try to regulate their bodies, you're going to start taxing, you know, tampons and things that are absolutely essential, you know, pads. And as you go into the movie, I mean, so many women <clears throat> don't even have access to tampons or pads, right? And women that are in shelters, um, they call that period poverty. And actually, I will say that I believe Ann Arbor was the first city in the United States to have free tampons and pads available in their bathrooms um, for women because they realized that that is a problem, right? That women cannot afford, because they are expensive. You go to the pharmacy and you go buy some tampons and pads and that's like a easy, like what, $20 or something? I mean, so it's expensive for people. Well, it's six ninety nine or or seven ninety nine for organic yeah. uh, ones, but it definitely adds up. And so when we say um, that some people don't have access to the menstrual care, that means that well, it's above their ability to buy, right? It's uh, it's they do have access, as in it's in every CVS, but um, it's expensive. So imagine if you are living, if you're a single mom with four daughters for example right uh off menstrual age think about how much does that cost every month if we add seven bucks times five right so you have to spend um pretty penny each month um and that's where the situation uh is grave to some people and that's why 
we're looking at this tampon tax situation and being like, can this be relieved? And also tampon tax is just a beginning conversation because then we hop into, wait, can tampons be just available like toilet paper is? Somehow we're not questioning that toilet paper is free in public bathrooms. Mm -hmm. So quite, quite few states are now thinking and starting to provide free period supplies mm -hmm. in schools, free period supplies in public buildings, so it's libraries and other public buildings. Um, and this conversation, you see, starts becoming like a snowball rolling down the mountain because then we start thinking about, what about menopause conversations? Uh, how does that look like in the workplace? Because menopause is one of those things that, you know, we all, those with uterus, going to go through, you, we want it or not. And also, like, women in power positions are typically going through perimenopause or menopause because, you know, once you reach specific executive level in your workplace, you're probably 45, 50, and that's exactly the moment of perimenopause, the word that the world did not know about five years ago. Um, and that is that turbulent state before the menopause because menopause is a year since your last period. And if, if 12 consecutive months pass, since your last period, that means you will not have your period ever again. So like menopause sounds awesome and easy and like a new state of your life, but perimenopause moment, right? It's in the film, we call it uh, puberty in reverse. That's when the hormones go awry or can go awry, right? That's when we have or insomnia or night sweats or hot flashes or rage, um, funky stuff that when we're teenagers and we're going through this, these hormonal waves, somehow that's very accepted, right? If you're a teenager, you're okay uh, to be turbulent. But when the same happens on the other side, we, again, not supposed to talk about it because it's not only, you know, weird to be talking about women's bodies and menopause, but it's also aging body. And don't we just hate talking about anything relating to the age? <laughs> so you have two taboos in one. You know, menopause is sexist and ageist, absolutely, if you will. Absolutely. I mean, right. You know, a woman, a woman's worth is really only when she's in those reproductive years, right? When she's young and fertile. And once she hits that menopause where there's she's no longer ovulating and she is not menstruating, then you know, it's almost as if all of her worth is gone, which is unfortunate. And I think that that also, I mean, there's so much to to that, uh, what you were just talking about. And, you know, I'll tell you that part of it also has to do with the WHI study that came out in 2002 that said, you know, hormones are bad and, you know, we shouldn't give women any hormones. And, and then, you know, women started to have these osteoporotic fractures and they, you know, they said, oh, hormones causes breast cancer. And then we find out it doesn't. And, but what, what that did, what that study did is it stopped hormone therapy for women and a whole generation of physicians, including myself, you know, didn't learn how to prescribe estrogen and progesterone for women in menopause. We didn't know how to treat them. Right. And so now all of a sudden they're in this phase of life and so many practitioners don't know how to treat them and how to help them. I mean, that's really a huge disservice to women. And now it's almost like you have to go. So now I'm a menopause society certified practitioner where, you know, I've taken the exam and, and know how to treat women. But, you know, there's so many of us that were not trained. And um, that only leads to the problem of creating more taboos, you know, which you allude to in your in your documentary. 
Yeah, it's fascinating to me in general, the, the taboo sense. So um, I'm curious about uh, modern yeah. Muslim women. How are they seeing their cycle? Um, like, what are you hearing in, in your perspective? You know, what, there's actually a woman that connected with me on um, LinkedIn, and she was trying to uh, provide information similar to what you did with your movie, right? Your movie was kind of advocating and telling people about what a period is, what a normal cycle is, you know, that this is all normal, this is, hap- you know, this happens and how different cultures see it. And um, so she was doing something similar where she was doing like more of a grassroots campaign where she was teaching women in the villages, and then she would teach one woman, that one woman would go and then lead other circles and teach women about their cycles and their periods. And, you know, honestly, it's it's what happens, right? Especially in the villages where if you're menstruating and you don't have those products, right? What, what they're still using, and I don't know, you know, obviously the more well-to-do women are using, you know, the pads and the tampons and things like that. But the women that are not that well-to-do, the women that live in the villages that may not have access to information, right? They're still using those rags, right? They're, they're, tying up cloth and using that and they're not doing as much as they could be and you know in islam uh, women are not considered dirty when they're on their period they're just we don't pray we don't do our five um prayers that we normally do during the day and we're not fasting during the month of ramadan when we are on our period and that's actually seen as a break that you get, right? It's not kind of seen as punitive, but more of like you get a break because the period can be uncomfortable, it can be painful. And so, you know, you get a break from doing your religious duties. And, um, but once you're done with your period, then you then you make up those fasts. But yes, I mean, that's, you know, typically how we see it in Islam. And, uh, but I just, I just feel that, you know, a lot of women in uh, developing countries and even here in the US, right, experience a lot of that period poverty and just even that knowledge about their own bodies, right? Sometimes women, uh, girls, when they're younger, they feel like they're dying. They don't know what's going on, especially if they're, you know, you have the sense of that it's taboo, it's wrong, you don't talk about it. And then the girls grow up with a sense that, you know, they don't know what this is. And then when they find out, then um, they're really nervous to let anyone know when they may be having those cycles. I know, it's fascinating to me. It's, I hope that, you know, we are the last generation who may have not known what's happening to us when we see a blood between our legs, which is horrifying if you don't know what's happening to you, truly, you know, yes. deadly looking. Um, I hope that with TikTok and Instagram and, you know, like accessibility of information, there are way more channels now to learn about your body, even if your parents don't tell you, even if your teachers don't tell you. So in some ways we're lucky because uh, internet democratizes the information and of course at the same time there's so much of misinformation that you know let's just hope that one finds the right information the the healthy information and the affirmative information because to me menstruation whether it's painful or not and you know there's a lot of disorders we're touching upon uh endometriosis and pcos and pm no we don't touch on pmdd that's one of the things we didn't have a chance to touch upon in the film pmdd which is premenstrual dysphoric syndrome but that also happens to some of us right um period sometimes is not a pleasant experience and sometimes it's just kind of a nuisance experience what we've added in the film's perspective that period could be 
a curious experience that tells you about your body that it's a fifth vital sign, just like, you know, your temperature and your blood pressure to have a period or not to have a period. And how is your period is a very telltale sign of your health or the lack of, right? Which is actually a massive conversation because then we hop into the sports and especially into the professional sports where in within, you know, Olympic athletes and whatnot, not having your period, having lost your period because you trained so hard was kind of like, okay, one last thing to worry about. And now we're seeing a trend in which like, can I train and be so good to my body that I don't lose my period, right? Can I eat uh, specific foods aligned with my different states of my menstrual cycle? Yes, you can. And yes, you should. And we go through that in our film. Um, so all of a sudden you're like, wait, I'm biohacking my body. I'm optimizing my body for me. And all of a sudden you're like, I'm a creative person. I'm a filmmaker. I'm obsessed with how can I be more creative and productive in my life and tracking my period and riding my cycle is one of those massive things that makes me the most optimized for me. Meaning, you know, when I just finished my menstruation, I have two weeks of follicular and um, ovulation in which this is my executive weeks. This is where I have to go meet new people, go hang out with producers, email all kinds of people, set up uh, pitching, set up calls, you know, set up super active uh, things that I need to do for my career and for myself, right? Go on all of the dates possible, go to all of the parties you're invited to. Like, this is the outer time right executive time and then once my ovulation happens i and i train myself to listen so i feel literally when my ovulation happens and i think everyone can with with the subtle listening tools and paying attention to your secretions um and then after the ovulation i enter into my inner world creative bubble if you will and that is the most precious time that i used to be like oh, i'm kind of lethargic and not so energetic and there comes pms and i'm craving brownies whatever you know now i'm like oh my time you know my i feel like that my thoughts are different my creativity and productivity is different i don't want to hang out with people i'm very happy by myself but i write I create, I feel such a hunger to create with my hands just before my menstruation. Go figure. I pick up knitting needles. I typically knit something on my period, which is, I'm like, why is that so? I don't understand, but I just go with the flow. And then fascinatingly, and we see that in the film, that Lakota women, um, they are in a very special connection with their moon because their faith says that a woman on her moon has a direct contact mm. with a creator, with a God, right? So for them, being on their moon is the most sacred time. And they also don't cook and don't do the specific practices. They, for example, they don't sundance on their moon, um, but they work with their hands because to create something on your moon and then gift it to another person charges it with that energy when you're in direct contact with the creator and they even say you have to watch what you're thinking because your mind is direct wow. prayer for the creator right so when you're on your moon when you're on your menstruation this is the most special time pay attention you're literally whispering into the god's ear 
for all throughout of your menstruation. So think about how many times you're like, oh, I just need a Tylenol. I'm grumpy. Like my, my stomach's bloated and massive. And I'm like, can this just go away? Flip that conversation into, okay, let's meditate on the yeah. world's peace. Love that. Right. And now, and now you see why, um, you know, the red tent idea of the red tent and it's kind of gaining popularity again, women coming together to bleed together. You can see how, um, understanding that you're closer to creator when you're on your moon and the red tent are, go hand in hand, right? Why don't we sit together and meditate together for the world's peace? It's just, to me, it's like automatic, one-on-one. So we go from the taboo, don't talk about it, you know, everybody who's bleeding just going through their own misery to the other side of the spectrum in which the bleeding come to, comes together and we sit together in this kind of a meditative ecstasy for it. a few days. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, you know, the women coming together. I think that there's so much in like communal support and knowing that you're not all alone, right? And I also love the the idea of riding the wave, riding the um, your different cycles and what you know. You're when you're most productive, and you're you know maybe you need some more time off, and maybe you're a little bit more slower than, but that's when you're the most creative. You know, that, those are things that you really don't think about, you don't learn, and I think that that is a great way to flip that narrative so that people actually look forward to and really like embrace their cycle. And I think that, you know, what you did in that movie was fantastic in that documentary, because I think that that really helps to change the narrative. And I agree. I think that so many women, you know, me included, you know, will dread when I'm on my period and be like, oh God, you know, what a headache. And, um, and this really just flips it around to make it such a positive experience and really to know how to nourish and really self-care and how to take care of yourself as you go through the different cycles of your, you know, your luteal phase, your follicular phase, your ovulation, your luteal phase. And then when you're going through the menstruation, I think that that's, you know, absolutely fantastic. And it's so important to for women to embrace that positive mindset, right, when it comes to their period. And typically, I think it takes one or two things. One is tracking of your cycle right because in the film we're really drilling in your cycle is not those three days it's a whole month and it repeats again it's a whole month and it repeats again it's a wave so number one is to track it because it's not that your pms comes every 27th (laughs) you know like it's not so clear and sometimes it but but once you track it and after three or so months of tracking you can do um any kind of tracking app or i've done it manually for years and years where you literally just observe how am i feeling what's my energy what am i craving how's my skin what's my secretion sometimes right and am i bloated or am i like what's going on with my bowels when you're observing this suddenly you start seeing trends and that's your unique trends you know some menstruators bleed every 21 days some menstruators bleed every 35 days everything's normal within that range and knowing that is the first step into okay where i am now because again this is such an individual yet universal thing and one needs to develop subtle listening of one's own body which i love i really love that fact that it's like okay what is your 
cycle because typically it's about 19th or 20th or 21st day where PMS happens. And again, it's not for everybody, but 80% of uh, menstruators report that they feel or emotional or physical uh, PMS symptoms, right? So whether it's my boobs that are sore or I just freaking crave something terrible. I don't know, like a mac and cheese or something. Um, or maybe I hate everybody. Yeah, that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> right, which is, for me, discovering my own PMS and seeing that there's a logic to the chaos changed everything. And it's it goes from thinking that you just lose your marbles sometimes, but not the other times. And gosh, I just want to quit my job and quit my boyfriend and quit everything. And I don't know why. Versus, ah, hello, PMS. Hello, inner bitch. What do you have to tell me? What, what do you hate? And not acting on it, but listening to it is, I think, the magic reversal of uh, how, PM, how we experience PMS, right? Because PMS is just grumpy and no filter. Sometimes for me, some people just feel the absolutely sadness of the world and, and deep, deep crying, right? And some people just like, give me something to shove my face. Or um, Once we know this, there is a logic to my personal cycle, right? So then I can ride it. So I don't need to yeah. quit my job. I don't need to divorce, you know? I can be like, ah, PMS is two-day event, two-day hormonal event. So I'm not making any important decisions because I understand I'm a little bit edgy, right, for the next two days. But instead, I'm listening to where is she edgy on? Because like if, you know, we're good with my boyfriend for three weeks of a time, but in that one week, you know, the way he leaves socks in the corner of the room absolutely <laughs> kills me. Then maybe when next time I'm ovulating and I'm glowing and I'm super sociable and my communication skills are optimal level, I bring this up to him and say, hey, honey, maybe you take those socks away because my inner bitch. To me, that's like a conversation with ourselves that we can have. And you know how right now everything's by hacking and anti-aging and optimizing and, you know, cold baths this and fasting that. I'm like half of the world's population has a built-in cycle that we can or live against or live with. And to me, living on your cycle is a huge yeah. biohack. Huge one. Because if you know that you are on your ovulation, literally you have the best memory and the most social skills in the whole month. So that week to go talk to your boss about a raise is a wicked smart idea. And you're working with your body yeah. for that. I love that so yeah. much. You know, like we, that's what I wish we would learn in every yeah. school. You know, the difference of the difference of the wave and that there is yeah. a wavelength and that it's not only okay to be different each day a little bit, but also just get to know, ride your way. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love, <laughs> I love the idea. You know, I never even thought of that before I saw your movie and uh, the documentary. And I think, I think that's such a great idea. Yeah. That is like the ultimate biohacking, right? You don't have to, you don't need an app. You don't need anything. You just need to know your body and need to know when you are menstruating and when you're, you know, and then as soon as you're, you start menstruating, then you know that that's when your cycle begins, right? That's the first day of your last menstrual period. And then you can start to map it out. 
And after a few cycles, right, you have some idea as to what's going on with your body. I also love the idea that you mentioned that uh, menstrual cycle is a vital sign. And I saw that also being stated in the movie. And it's so true. You know, I mean, why, why do all these women come to us, right? Because they're concerned about their period being either too frequent or not coming at all, or, you know, am I pregnant? Am I not pregnant? What happened? Blah, blah. And it really is a vital sign. It really does tell you what's going on with your body. You know, when, when am I ovulating? When am I not ovulating? Is it, is there something wrong? Am I able to get pregnant? You know, do I need to see an infertility specialist, right? All of those concerns that a patient may have, if you have PCOS, you know, you have insulin resistance. Does that mean I'm going to get diabetes later in life? Can I, you know, change that now so that I don't get diabetes? I mean, all of these things that our body is telling us, if only we stop to listen right and this is such an easy listening and uh another massive little thing that allowed me to get to know my body better is a cup mm. a menstrual cup because uh, because with the tampon and and with the pad it's a little different experience you know we're just kind of changing it and discarding it and sometimes not paying attention. We're just like, oh, you know, wrap it in the toilet paper and hide it away. Um, <laughs> um, with menstrual cup, you get to examine how much exactly you're bleeding and what are you bleeding out? What are those clumpy things? What's the color? Wow, it's very liquidy one day and kind of much more tacky another day. Fascinating. Look like one day it's three cups worth and one day it's, you know, barely there. Like, this is to me such a wonderful well of information about your own body that then you can share with your physician, right? Um, I know that physicians are not excited to receive uh, anyone's menstrual photos. Figures. No, please don't <laughs> send us your bleeding photos, your pads, tampons. Yes, <laughs> but as a gynecologist, tell me, like, what what do you want from your patients? Like, in the knowledge of I would love for patients to know their cycle. So many patients come in and they have no idea when you ask them, you know, when was your first, when was your last menstrual period? And they're like, well, I don't, I don't know. And I said, okay, well, you know, it's helpful to just write it down because especially for patients that have irregular menses, right. That may have PCOS or just maybe have irregular menses where they're skipping months. It's so important for you to just write it down and track it. Tell me how long is it? You know, are you having really painful periods? How old were you when you first started your period? You know, how old was your mom? when she stopped having periods? Have you taken any medications that may affect your period? You know, what are you doing a lot of really aggressive sports, right? That may cause your periods to stop. Are you under a lot of stress that may be causing your periods to, you know, change? Are you noticing that you're feeling, you know, what symptoms are you feeling? Because sometimes your thyroid can be off. Sometimes your prolactin can be off. So different hormones can cause your periods to be different. So I think what I wish patients uh, would know and would do to help us out is really just track your cycle so that you know, you know, when they're starting, when they finish, what is typical for you, what is not typical for you, so that we can try to join in a shared conversation and figure out together, you know, what exactly is happening and how best we can help you. Yeah, and I love that. I love if that would become a just a practice for every single bleeding body. And like, how do we get there? It's so simple. It's a school, right? Yeah. It's, we start with schools, which is why in the film we have this wonderful woman, Chelsea Von Chaz, going to 
underrepresented schools here yeah. in Los Angeles and teaching girls of menstrual age um, about their body that is beyond what they get taught yeah. in sex ed, right? So it's like, I'm like, how can we clone Chelsea for That's every amazing. state? Yeah. Because what she is revolutionary, yeah. revolutionary, just saying, listen to your body or this is the colors of blood. All of this is normal. This is what it means. You know, things that for some reason we don't yeah. get. And I, and I think it would be crucial, which is why starting yes. young, starting at the menstrual age, right? Not at 35 uh, to understand the body and the cycle, I think is the winning awesome. situation. So um, we've been showing the film in Ooh. high schools uh, for nice. teachers colleges are coming up like it's the most fascinating thing um we've shown it to the audiences of teenagers and the questions that the audiences have after are so wonderful and i've seen so many boys faces light up with oh my gosh i have i had no idea one boy came to me after the screening and said this menopause thing my mom's going through it and I'm like, yes, you know, yeah. love your mom, <laughs> your mom, give your mom I, slack. Yeah, I know? think that also, you know, what this movie does, not only does it normalize that conversation, but it shows the appreciation for a woman's body, right? And all the things that she does. And I love how you state it's like magical. It, it is magical, right? What happens? I mean, how you're in sync with your body and how you can really optimize your body, but just really appreciating what it goes through, what it does and all the different changes and all the different phases of our lives. And, and really that our worth is so much more than just being reproductive beings, right? There's just so much more to it. And just, just really appreciating and sitting in that curiosity and in that fascination of the human body, I think is really, you know, what it does for me and um, what I hope it does for a lot of other people too, because I think that documentary is so well made. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, thank you for kind words. I really feel a lot of joy uh, having made this because it was a, a long process to you know find people who understand that we do <laughs> need to make a, a menstrual documentary. Uh, you know, first few years in finding uh, funding was a little slow. I won't lie, but we've aligned with a movement. I can feel the movement in, in, in our social layers here in the United States, in which we must remove the stigma. We're, we're done with the stigma, you know? So um, I feel like creating this film aligned with the broader movement, and we are part of the movement to really shine the light. And once you shine the light, um, as one of the film's objects say, stigma grows, yes. grows in the dark. If you shine the light, it literally takes years or one generation or, I don't know, months. You can remove stigma. I really do believe that stigma can go away. And I do believe that just like this, in these conversations, in nonchalant uh, conversations about one's period or, you know, carrying a tampon and not hiding it in your, in yeah. your sleeve, these are little big things that if we're doing in the critical mass we can really shift the fact that it was a taboo once and maybe it is not anymore. I feel like in my circles, it's not much of a taboo anymore, but surely I live in a very much of a bubble and, you know, I've been talking about menstruation for the last yeah. six years. <laughs> so, so 
I am that person who's like, oh, hi, honey, I'm on my period, you know, in, in a coffee shop, and enjoying the ripple that that might create. And that might inspire inspire others to be like, oof, or I'm, I'm on my, you know, PMS, can I have the fattiest brownie, please? <laughs> That's so true. That's true. Yeah, that's so true, right? Like when you're doing, when you're working on something, then everyone in the house just hears that all the time. Like I, I actually have three boys. I have um, three children. They're all boys. Oh. I, I always thought I would have girls, but no, all boys. And so it's funny, though, because I've been talking a lot about menopause after becoming a menopause certified practitioner, that one day, actually, last week, my son came, my eldest son came home, and he's like, Mama, what is going on with menopause? I just hear it everywhere. Is everything okay? Like, what, what is menopause? You know, and I thought it was so funny, because that's all he hears. And he's like, all I see is menopause, and menopause, and everybody's talking about menopause. And I think that's true, right? So wherever, whatever environment you're surrounded in, that's kind of what you're going to be hearing. And that's, it's kind of like your bubble, but I think it's fantastic. I love the movement that you are part of. I think it's so important. And as a gynecologist, I really applaud this documentary. I think it's fantastic. I, I love the fact that you normalize bleeding as just what it is, right? It's just bleeding. And that's, you know, that's what we do. And, and, uh, and it's really just, it is a vital sign. It tells us that our bodies are okay and they're doing what they're supposed to do. And if they're not, then, you know, you go and you talk to somebody and you get the help that you need. So I love the conversation that you're a part of. And I hope that there are more documentaries that you make that normalize topics such as, you know, I know you started a little bit with menopause toward the end, but, you know, I'd love to see more. So can't wait for the next documentary mm. for you. It is such a hot topic, menopause, and I love that it is a hot topic. And I think if there is a wave happening right now, it's a menopause wave, 100%. Because I was like, look, Oprah started talking about her uh, menopause experience. It's literally every woman you know who is in the limelight, you know, the most celebrated actors and, and TV show hosts. They are, if they're in their prime, you know, like like really prime, then they probably are or have gone through perimenopause and menopause. And again, for us knowing that everyone's gonna go through it, for us talking to our moms about it, because typically you will have menopause in a similar way, the way she had it. Um, that's what normalizes conversations. That's what also bridges the conversations, which is interesting. My mom's in, you know, had her menopause in Soviet Union. In Soviet Union, there was no conversation. She said, my blood just stopped one day. You know, there was no like in, in in the US, I feel like we like to be on the anxious side, on the paranoid side, you know, so it's like over 200 symptoms. You don't know which one's going to happen to you, but my, no, nothing might happen to you either. You can just stop your period yeah. and that's it right for the rest of your life. That can happen, too. But we just I think right now we have a lot of anxiety about it, you know, Um and again, like, should I take hormones or not? You know, will, will I, you know, lose my youthful looks very quickly because my estrogen's dipping down? You know, like there's, I feel like there's so much uh, fear around perimenopause and menopause. So with the film, I wanted to also kind of not only normalize it, but also yeah. celebrate it in a way that I haven't seen it celebrated to be like, oh, this is your powerful years, yeah. actually. You know, like I we've interviewed uh, some absolutely amazing menopause activists who are like, oh, 
you know, what's available on the spiritual psychic level for you when you menstruate doesn't even compare to what you open up yourself to when you enter this initiation, this rite of passage that is menopause. I mean, Amisade Scott is speaking about this as uh, your power years in our film, you know, like this is where you really become a matriarch, if you will, you know, and and there's very interesting numbers about... uh, more divorces, uh, more entering into uh, higher education, shifting careers at the age-ish of menopause, which means what? Which means that your hormones, your nurturing and sweet and family-building hormones, uh, estrogen and progesterone dance, right? They retract and you're kind of in more base level, just like you were before your teenage years. And suddenly some women are like, wait, why am I folding your socks, my dear husband? (laughs) You know, it's time for me now. It's time to see what I want to do. It's time to see what I want to explore in this life, right? So, which is why we're seeing this wonderful uptick or uproar in in shifts in life. But I I think they are celebration worthy. I think they are. That's when perhaps we really gain a whole another layer of wisdom. So, if we're seeing um, menopause as upgrade. Imagine seeing menopause as upgrade. That to me sounds so nuts. But one of the experts in our film, Luanne Brizantine, has a whole, whole book called Upgrade about menopause. So I feel like there's so many conversations right now, fresh books about menopause, that if we rephrase it in our mind and if we have just enough tools to understand, okay, perimenopause can be this. Uh, these are the antidotes. Th- this is what I should do or this is what makes that journey a little bit easier. And once I'm out... I'm in the new power yeah. position. Like, I want that. I want that for yes, all of yes, us. Yes, that, yeah, that's the reframing of menopause. You know, it's so funny. I remember telling my mom that my periods were becoming irregular and, you know, I wasn't sure. Maybe, I'm, you know, I'm definitely going through perimenopause, but who knows when menopause is going to happen. And and I was asking her when she would go, when she went through menopause and she said she didn't remember. And she said, oh, I'm so happy for you, you know, to go through it. She's like, oh, you don't need to deal with that anymore. You know, like the periods, like she herself felt like it was like a nuisance, you know, and she was so liberated when she no longer had periods. So, so interesting, right? How different people view menopause. And some people think it's like, oh, it's like the end, right? And other people are thinking, thinking of it as a new beginning, as a rebirth almost, right? Oh, I love that so much. One thing we did not find in the film that I'm absolutely hungry to would love to make a short film about. So if anyone knows this, there are some women who throw themselves menopause parties. Um, I know that in Latin countries, in, in you know, Texas and Mexico, um, there is a celebration that is like a reversed quinceañera, which is, you know, for 15-year-olds. They flip it to make it for 51-year-olds. And it's full shebang with mariachis, with a big bone, with a huge celebration of song and music and and joy to announce that here I am, the matriarch now. Um, I would love to film anything like that. So if... Anyone listening is prepping themselves for menopause party or didn't think about it and now is thinking about it, please find me on Instagram, <laughs> L-I-N-A under I would love to talk to you. Literally like menopause celebration. Well, you know, there's there's lots of ideas coming your way. I'm going to DM you myself about an idea. So I'll tell you all about it. 
But yeah, well, you know, I am so excited and I really encourage everyone, all the viewers out there. And, you know, I just want you to know that this uh, podcast is global. I have over 55 countries downloading it. I have over 72,000 downloads. And, you know, so now more people will hear about your movie. And I'd love for everyone that listens to this podcast to go and absolutely rent the movie, if not buy it and take a watch and just watch how menstruation is celebrated and how important it is, but just to change our whole perspective on it and to really just celebrate that part of our lives. Yes, go periodical. Yeah, that's go right, period. that's right. So somebody, uh, and I think you mentioned it a little bit before, but if for somebody, uh, people listening that may want to get in touch with you, you said they can DM you on Instagram. And how else can they get in touch with you? Yeah, I think Instagram's the easiest. Um, yeah, I think Instagram's amazing. Or my email, um, which I don't know if you yeah, do show notes, show but notes. we can, so we can well. tell us yeah, in the yeah, show notes. Right. And definitely, you know, like you said, probably um, and whatever's easiest for you. But that's how I got in touch with you, right? I, I messaged you on Instagram and I was like, gosh, I wonder if she'll come on. And I'm so grateful that you came on because this was such a fantastic talk and such an important one. And I just love your uh, documentary and I'm going to share it with the PTA out here and tell them that they should show this to uh, everyone because during their health class because yeah. it's, it's really, really yeah. important. That's exactly what the big hope for it is, to be an educational tool. So the more schools, the more teachers, the more physicians see it, the better. So thank you so much yeah, for spreading absolutely, absolutely. And thank you. Thank you for your time and thank you for coming on. And I loved having you on. So um, any other pearls of wisdom that you want to tell people before we sign off today? I think just that. Let's remember that we're all cyclical beings women and men and everyone in between those two binaries. We're all on a cycle. So just to get to know a cycle is your birthright. Right. <laughs> so right. do absolutely. it. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, well, we are done here and it's been real and really intimate. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. So thank you for listening to the podcast and make sure you leave us a review, share and like the podcast. And if you leave me a review, I'd love to shout you out on social media. So be sure that you share it with all your friends and thanks for listening. Yeah.